0: Well, greetings and welcome to the Simply Christ podcast. My name is Mark Shepard. I'm glad that you are here with me today. It has been a long time since we have put together a podcast for several reasons. First of all, I've been dealing with a lot of traveling, but more importantly, I've had a death in the family in which I've had to take care of some issues with that and uh, just now being able to get back into what I really need to be doing and continuing the work in our podcast and our YouTube videos. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel also called Simply Christ. We have some audiobooks and facts. We have a new audiobook by the Sadhu Sundar Singh. Check that one out. And we have uh, some new videos that we've put out. Make sure to visit those Simply Christ. It is on our YouTube channel and we're growing on that and I greatly appreciate that to want to give a special thanks to those who are sharing our information with other people around the world. We have uh, people from all different parts of the world, really. Uh, I mean, we're not trying to make anything really big or uh, trying uh to— Uh, you know, become something that's just worldwide, mega-wide ministry or anything like that. This is just something that God has put upon me, which I think it's a responsibility I have to fulfill to provide the messages in which I think he is asking me to provide, and we just put it out there and let God take it in the direction he wants to take it. Let's jump into it right away. We are going to be discussing Traditions and Rituals. In the world of Christianity, there are so many people, so many churches, who have different varying opinions on traditions and rituals. And what I mean by traditions and rituals are those things in which um, maybe are historic traditions that people do because they're part of their church history, or some type of a ritual in which they feel it's important for them to do. Many people are for them, others are well, against them. What happens when we run across those situations of rituals and traditions is it tends to get a little ugly at times. Many people don't like the ideas of rituals or any type of tradition whatsoever. We're going to be discussing that today, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about it. Many people on the Protestant side—and I'm going to break it off into Protestant and Catholic and Orthodox—you can compare them, put the two kind of together in that— but when it comes to rituals, many people in Christian denominations, more mainstream Protestant groups, uh, fundamental groups, are against any type of tradition. Usually, and I'm speaking very general here, uh, then you run across some of your other ones who may be Lutheran or Presbyterian. They're maybe more in line with some type of ritual or tradition. And then you run across your Catholic and your Orthodox Christians who believe in heavy rituals and a lot of tradition that's based upon what they believe are thousands of years of traditions. And I do not want to get into a discussion or into some type of argument as to the length of a tradition or ritual and that kind of thing, but I do think it's important to remember that just because somebody has been doing something for a very long time doesn't mean that it's right. And a lot of those traditions and rituals have evolved over the course of time, others have taken their place, and others have expanded, and others have become less important. But the big question is, is what do we do today, 2,000 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? What are Christians supposed to do in terms of rituals? And how do we handle them? What are our traditions and rituals? We have to, first of all, admit something, that no matter what We believe in rituals. We have a tradition. Whether we like to admit it or not, we have some type of tradition or some type of ritual. Every group—Southern Baptist, Church of Christ, Assembly of God, whatever, Pentecostalism—there is some type of tradition that's involved. And when that tradition is involved, it tends to have people uh, saying that these are important things that they must do. Everybody has a traditional ritual, of course, and I'll give you one from my background, a very fundamental group, and the fundamental group thought that it is extremely important that at the end of every sermon, you give an invitation to be baptized or to repent. It was basically, if there's anybody here today who feels the need to be baptized or repent, please come forward and... uh, You know, we'll pray for you and those kind of things. And if it wasn't given at the end of a sermon, then you were reminded that you need to be doing those. And there's been a time that I did not do it because I just did not feel the need or the call to do it. And I just went on with with the singing. And it was told to me pretty bluntly that I'd better do that or I was in danger of the fires of hell. Maybe not so much those words, but it was pretty much told to me. Yet this is a group that said traditions and rituals are are not good, and that they're anathema to God, which I thought was kind of strange, because that's a tradition and a ritual in itself, and it's good. There's nothing wrong with it, and of course, you know, that's something that we provided and do it if it's a common sense tradition. For instance, I'm not going to ask for people to see if they want to be baptized at the end of a sermon if everybody sitting in my auditorium has already been baptized, correct? That's common sense. But when a tradition or a ritual becomes something that we have to do, or God is not pleased with us, that's when it becomes a different story. And we are going to be turning now to a passage of Scripture. We're going to be reading in in the Aramaic, uh, a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 15. It's kind of a long reading, so I want you to bear with me on this, but I think it goes to show what the importance of traditions and what Jesus thought of traditions and rituals and our place and what we're supposed to be doing with them. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. And the Pharisees and the scribes who were from Jerusalem came unto Yeshua, and they were saying, Why do your disciples violate the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands whenever they eat bread. Yeshua answered and said to them, "'Why do you also violate the commandment of God "'for the sake of your traditions? "'For God has said, "'Honor your father and your mother, "'and whoever reviles his father and his mother "'shall surely die. How, "'Now you are saying, "'Everyone who will say to father or mother, "'My offering is anything by which you made a profit from me, "'should honor neither his father nor his mother. "'And you nullify the word of God "'because of your traditions.'" Phonies! Isaiah prophesied well against you and said, These people is honor, uh, "This people is honoring me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and they revere in me in vain, or they revere me in vain while they teach the doctrines of the commandments of man." And he called the crowds and said to them, "Hear and understand: It is not the thing that enters the mouth that defiles a man, but the thing that proceeds from the mouth that defiles a man." and his disciples approached and they were saying to him do you know that the Pharisees who heard the same were indigent, indignant and he but he answered and said to them every plant that my father who is in heaven has not planted will be uprooted let them alone they are blind guides of the blind but if the blind leads the, a blind man both will fall into a pit now, it's easy to look at this and use this verse, and I know that many people have used this verse in the past because I've heard them to say, see, Jesus is against traditions. And he, they use this section or this verse in verse 3 where Jesus said, Yeshua had answered and said to them, why do you also violate the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? And then that is used to say, aha, see, Jesus is against tradition. But that's not the case. We need to break this down and see what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is not nullifying traditions. Before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, and the temple rituals of the day. The temple rituals of the day, the traditions, were ones that were carried for thousands of years from the time... Before Jesus, of course, with the teachings of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Mosaic Law was filled with tradition. And even before that, the tithing, the tradition of tithing and offering to Melchizedek and Abraham, this is before, remember now, before Israel ever came about, there were traditions and rituals that were involved. Maybe not very many of them, because most of them were imparted to Moses and to Israel, From God, from Mount Sinai, and so forth. And those are where the Jewish traditions and rituals pretty much came from. So God is not against tradition because He's given tradition. It's easy to say, well, that's in the Old Testament, that's long ago, and God now despises traditions. God is not a schizophrenic God. God is not one who likes something one minute and then the next minute He dislikes it and calls it evil. Evil is evil, good is good. It never changes back and forth. It's always constant because God is good and God is forever and constant and unchanging. So God does not have a problem with traditions. But over the course of the years, over the course of the centuries, and it was very evident, not only in the times of the Old Testament, but in the times where Jesus was talking and the time when Jesus was talking, was that traditions became Paramount, the tradition became more important, much more important than the than the meaning behind it and the purpose behind it and the aim behind it. So the story here that we have set here is we have the Pharisees and the scribes who come up to Jesus and say, Why do you dis- why do your disciples violate the tradition of the elders? That's a good question. He says they don't wash their hands whenever they eat bread. Now, there were all kinds of traditions back in, in the days of the Pharisees and the days of, of the uh, um, Israelites about washing and ceremonial washing before eatings and, and so forth. And that's a legitimate question. Why do your disciples not wash their hands? Why do they violate the tradition of the elders? Well, that's a very good question if a person is expecting that traditions are the most important. And that is where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law were so wrapped up and had so much of a problem, is that they got to the point now that the tradition became the end in itself instead of a means to an end. Now, hear my words carefully. The tradition and the traditions became the end in itself or themselves and not a means to the end and what was jesus trying to do jesus describes it very well here because he answers several he, he answers their question in in a in several ways first of all he tells them he says and why do you violate the commandment of god for the sake of your traditions he's not saying that traditions are wrong but they're violating the commandment of god for the sake of the tradition. That right there says that the tradition was more important than the commandment of God. He wasn't nullifying that traditions are wrong. He was saying that the traditions they had were more important than what the commandment of God was. He continues, and he says, for God has said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles his father and mother will, sh- will surely die. Now you are saying everyone who will say to father and mother, my offering is anything by which you made a profit from me, should honor neither his father nor his mother. And you nullify the word of God because of your traditions. Phonies. And then, so, so what he does is he's using this law here, this about honoring and offerings uh, that are given and honoring mother and father for the sake of this money. And he's saying, you know, what you're forgetting here is the commandment of the honoring of the parent, the honoring of the mother, honoring of the father, because of the sake of your traditions. And then he hits them again when he says, Phonies, Isaiah prophesied well against you and said, This people is honoring me with their lips, but their heart is very far from me, and they revere me in vain while they're teaching the doctrines of the commandments of men. See, what was happening is these people were taking the traditions, and they were thinking that by following the tradition, that was what God was wanting. God wants the ritual and the tradition, and everything else comes secondary. This could not be any farther from the truth. This could not be any further from what Jesus is saying, because again, let me read to you in verse 8, when he's talking about Isaiah, when he prophesied, he said, This people is honoring me with their lips, but their heart is very far from me, and they revere me in vain while they teach the doctrines of the commandments of men. And then he breaks it down to verse uh, verse 10. He tells them, he said, listen, hear and understand, it is not the thing that enters the mouth that defiles a man, but the thing that proceeds from the mouth that defiles a man. And then his disciples come up later and said, hey, you know, those Pharisees, they weren't very happy. Jesus tells them, says, hey, look, every plant that my Father who's in heaven hasn't planted, they're going to be uprooted. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. They lead the blind. They're both going to fall into a pit. He has to go on later on in the chapter, and you can read it for yourself and, and check into it. And he says, because all those things that are for, uh, from the heart well, i tell you what, let's go ahead and read in, in verse 15— and, and said, and uh, Shimeon answered and said to him, My lord, explain to us this parable. But he said to them, Are you still also not understanding? Do you not know that anything that enters the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out from there in excretion? Anything that proceeds from the mouth proceeds from the heart, and it defiles the man. For from the heart proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, murders. Fornications, thefts, lying testimonies, blasphemies, these things are those that defile a man. But if a man will eat after not washing his hands, he is not defiled. This is a very important lesson for individuals who look at tradition, whether they, are, they think they're crucial and important and must be done or God is unhappy, and those individuals who think God is unhappy if we do them. Everything comes down to a middle road, if you really think about it. Much of religion, much of people who are in churches, uh, tend to operate in the world of extremes. In other words, they take one stand on the extreme for and the other against. But, as we all know, the teachings of Jesus are spiritual, and they are not in the words of extremes as like we often think about. Now, of course, there is right, there is wrong and there are things that are right no matter what and wrong no matter what. But on things like this, this is one of those situations where it calls for you yourself to make a decision for what's best for you. Because Jesus makes it very clear here. It's not the following of the tradition that makes a person unclean. It's the f- anything that proceeds from the mouth, from the heart that defiles the man. Because it's the heart that... Or evil thoughts, adulteries, murders, fornications, and he goes on with the listing. What that means is anything you do as a tradition, whether you do it or you don't do it, has no meaning in the realm of the spiritual life of a person. There are many people who are following traditions today who follow traditions very, very strictly. I know many people who follow the traditions of their church, and I mean, they will stand up for the tradition, and they think it's the most important thing that must be done. Yet they are some of the most they're not some they're not the nicest people in the world, that, let's put it that way. They lie, they have evil thoughts, they steal, they blaspheme, they they do all kinds of different things that God is not pleased with them. But yet they think that because they do the tradition that God is pleased, and their entire church organization is set up in a tradition form that makes them think that. And that's unfortunate because there is, I think, a place for rituals and traditions. The rituals and traditions come into play in this way. And this is my thing, my my thinking on it. This is my opinion, and you may disagree with it. And I'd like to hear from you if you do have a different idea and a different opinion on these. But a tradition ought to be something that helps leads us to something. It is a means. Remember how I said in the beginning, it's a means to an end and not the end in itself. And that is why you go into sometimes many different churches and you see people who are very strict in following their rituals and traditions, yet their lives are far from anything dealing with the the spiritual nature and far from anything you would associate the Christian way to be. But they feel very comfortable. Why? Because at Lent, they'll put a cross on their forehead, and they'll fast or not eat meat on a certain day. And I'm not pointing fingers at any group, okay, please don't take it that way at all, because there's many other churches have their own traditions. And they do those things, but yet they think they're okay, because as soon as the festival is over or the tradition is done, then they go back to, right back to living what they were doing. As soon as they leave the church building, they're back to cussing like a sailor and doing what they— think is okay. They have no remorse for it, but yet they think they're okay because they've done the tradition. Jesus makes that very clear. It's not those traditions. So where does tradition and ritual play? Well, as I said, an avenue to help us understand the important things, and that goes back to what the Israelites had to do with the rituals and the purpose of the rituals and the traditions that God gave them as an aid to help them to see the purification of life, meaning that the rituals and the traditions were to help them to make comparisons to their own life. And for instance, let's take baptism, okay, the ritual of baptism, where a person is immersed to uh, the washing away of the sin. It's symbolic. The like figure, 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure weren't to baptism even saves us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God. That important last part, the answer of a good conscience toward God. So we have people who do the ritual of baptism, and when the ritual is over with, they don't have any change in their lives, but they think that because they've been dunked in water, that everything's fine now. And many ch- churches actually believe this and have this teaching that all they have to do is dunk people in the water and everything's fine. Well, if that's that case, then let's just pay everybody $10 and have them dunk in water and, hey, we'll save the entire world, right? But that's not what it is. The act of baptism is a symbology, a symbol. It is symbolic of washing away The washing of the internal, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and I'm not going to get into a discussion or argument whether or not it's essential or not essential. That's not what this is for. This is just simply to show that we can do something and still not have our heart purified just because we've done the ritual. If we are going to understand rituals and traditions in the sense of what God had deemed them to be— in the early days of the Israelites and afterwards, it was an understanding that they were supposed to represent things. Cleanliness and uh, holiness set apart. The, the holy of holies, the robe, all the different things had different meanings. And what happened is those things were supposed to have people to think. It was a physical expression or a physical a, let's say, a physical reminder of what the internal should be. And I think that's the best way to define a traditional ritual. An external reminder of what the internal should be. Yet, as with anything, man tends to corrupt it, and they take the corruption, and they make it to where that is the most important thing in the world. So, Can I do a ritual? Absolutely. But remember, the ritual is there as an aid. It's there to help us to see or to take us into a new level to help us understand something. Now, let's look at it another way. Do I need a ritual? I don't need a ritual. Jesus made that very clear in chapter 15 of Matthew. He said, you know, you, it's not what you eat whether you clean or it's not what goes into a man that comes out of him. It's or the washing of the hands, it's it's what's inside a man's heart or a woman's heart. Those are the things that are important. I may not need a ritual or a tradition to help me to see that, but there are some people that do and it helps them to do it. For instance, I know people who do a sign of the cross every time they Drive by a church building, they'll do a sign of the cross. Whether they're Orthodox, uh, uh, Catholic, I even know some uh, some mainstream Protestant people who do it as well. They, they just like doing it as a reminder to themselves that hey, this is a reminder to be holy, as my Father in heaven is holy. It doesn't make them holy. The sign of the cross doesn't make them holy. But you know, if you're on your way to. You know, to rob a bank and you do a sign of the cross, don't think that's going to do you any good. And that's the problem we have. So use the ritual if that ritual is helping you to continue in your walk to develop spiritual fruit. But if it's not developing spiritual fruit and it's just a tradition that you do and it makes you feel good to do it, you can do it. But it doesn't make you clean or any holy, uh, holier than anyone else. And if you're relying on those traditions to make you that way in and of themselves, then you need to rethink what really a ritual and a tradition is really all about. So let me leave you with this. If you want to do a ritual or a tradition, do so. Don't stop doing it. Continue to do so. Use it, but use it in the right manner. Use it in the right way. And if you are a person who does not want to do rituals, then don't do the rituals. It's okay. But make sure that your life is holy and pure as well. And don't think that because you don't do a traditional ritual that you're now following a commandment of God and now you're holier than the person who does. In other words, it comes down to this. Let people do the tradition and the ritual that helps develop in them the fruit of the Spirit. Or at least, let let me rephrase it this way because I don't want anybody to think that by doing that is developing the fruit. But as a reminder to continue going forward in listening to the Spirit develop the fruit in you. And the development of the fruit in you and I is the most crucial. It is the most important of everything we have in Christianity, because it's based in faith and the living of the Holy Spirit within us. So, if you want to continue your rituals and some traditions, do so, but don't expect them to be the end and of themselves. Again, appreciate you being here. Glad to be back and uh, slowly getting back into things. Uh, Just make sure you check out our website, simplychrist.org, and our YouTube channel. Share this with your friends. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll check you out on the next podcast.